I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, I'm Sarah. And I'm Toby. And this is the Whispering Woods podcast. This episode is all about... Black Anise and the Humberstone. Yeah, they're two separate subjects this week. Um, they They are actually related though, because they are both in Leicester. So this is like an episode about Leicester folklore, Leicester in the UK that is. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash the Whispering Woods. We've got three different tiers there. One, we've got three different tiers there. One is just a pang tip. Um, The mermaid tier is where you can listen to both weekly episodes ad free. And then the banshee tier is for £5 and you get an extra mini episode every week called the Wednesday Whisper. Yeah. Right, have you heard of an, either of these subjects? No, I have not. Okay, so they're both pretty much introduction pieces. There aren't really any scary true stories to back them up. Although, in the Humberstone section, there are some reports in a newspaper. Yeah. All right, so it's more folklore this episode, about some UK folklore. So are you ready for Black Alice? Yes, I am. In English folklore, there lurks an evil presence, known as Black Anis, a name whispered in hushed tones and met with fear. This monstrous figure, also known as Black Agnes or Black Anna, embodies the darkest nightmares of the Leicestershire countryside. With a visage that haunts the mind's eye, she's depicted as a hideous hag, 
her pallid face tinged an eerie shade of blue, and her twisted fingers adorned with razor-sharp iron claws that hunger for human flesh, particularly of innocent children who wander too close to her realm. Legend tells of Black Anis dwelling in a cave nestled within the Dane Hills. A gnarled and ancient oak tree stands sentinel at the entrance, its branches reaching out like skeletal arms, as if beckoning unwitting souls towards their doom. It's here, within the heart of her dismal home, that she orchestrates her sinister pursuits. Under the cover of darkness, Black Anis emerges from her lair, driven by an insatiable hunger for the flesh of the unsuspecting. Like a predator stalking its prey, she prowls the moonlit landscape, her malevolent gaze fixated on the innocent children and vulnerable lambs that wander the night. It's said that she captures her victims, their lives cruelly extinguished, and then proceeds to tan their skins by hanging them upon a desolate tree. These grisly trophies, once transformed, are then worn by the hag around her waist as a grotesque testament to her insidious nature. No home is safe from the clutches of Black Anis, for she possesses an unholy power that allows her to reach inside the homes of the living. With her iron claws, she violates these boundaries, snatching away those unfortunate enough to cross her path. The wails of anguish and terror echo through the night. Whispered tales speak of the origins of Black Anis's grim dwelling, a cave carved out by her own hands from the unforgiving sandstone cliffs. The site, now known as Black Anis's Bower Close, stands as a testament to her dark reign. Such legends have seeped into the consciousness of the local folk, instilling fear and trepidation within their hearts. Parents, desperate to protect their children, invoked the dreaded name Black Anis as a cautionary tale, a dire warning that failure to behave would attract the attention of this entity. But her lair is not the only place where Black Anis lies in wait. Among the twisted branches of her oak tree, she patiently perches, concealed from sight, biding her time until a victim draws near. With unparalleled agility, she leaps upon her prey, her iron claws tearing through the veil of safety and plunging them into a world of unending darkness. Legends speak of the eerie sounds that herald Black Anis's approach. The grinding of her teeth reverberates through the night, a bone-chilling cacophony that instills dread in all those who hear it. This unholy noise acts as a twisted warning, granting those who are wise enough a fleeting moment to bolt their doors, to shutter their windows, and to seek refuge far from her reach. The inhabitants of Leicestershire, knowing the horrors that await, 
have taken precautions to defend themselves against black anise. Cottages purposefully constructed with small windows serve as a barrier against her grasp, allowing only a single arm to penetrate their protective walls. When her howls pierce the stillness of the night, travelling for miles upon the wind, the cottagers respond swiftly. Skins are fastened across their windows, a macabre shield against the hag's relentless pursuit. Protective herbs are carefully placed, their potent essence warding off the impending danger, creating a sanctuary within the confines of their humble homes. As the tales of Black Anis continue to echo through the centuries, they serve as a chilling reminder of the darkness that dwells within the human psyche. In the shadows of Leicestershire, her legend lives on, a cautionary tale whispered by parents to their children, a reminder that darkness lurks just beyond the threshold, and that eternal vigilance is key to safeguarding one's soul from the clutches of this ancient bogeyman. The origins of the chilling legend of Black Anis are shrouded in mystery, with various theories seeking to unravel the truth behind this figure. The earliest written reference to Black Anis can be traced back to the 18th century title deed, which mentions a piece of land known as Black Annie's Bower Close. The county folklore, published in 1895 by the Folklore Society, further supports the existence of Black Annis, citing two title deeds from May the 13th and 14th, 1764. Scholars and folklorists have proposed several possible origins for the Black Annis legend, each with its own intriguing connections to ancient mythology. Some suggest a Celtic influence, drawing parallels between Black Annis and the Celtic mother goddess, Danu or Anu. Others explore the Germanic mythological connection, linking her to the figure of hell. Donald Alexander Mackenzie, in his book Myths of Crete and Pre-Hellenic Europe, suggests that the legend of Black Annis may have its roots in the ancient European concept of a mother goddess who devours children. He draws comparisons between Black Annis and various deities, such as Kali and Demeter. Interestingly, there is a theory that the legend may have evolved from a collective memory of sacrificial practices dedicated to an ancient goddess. It's believed that offerings of children were made to this goddess during the archaeological hunting period, and the oak tree at the entrance of Black Annis's cave may have served as a common gathering place. However, Ronald Hutton, in his book The Triumph of the Moon, a history of modern pagan witchcraft, offers a different perspective. He suggests that the legend of Black Annis in Leicestershire may have been based on a real person named Agnes Scott. Agnes was a late medieval anchoress who resided in a cave in the Dane Hills, known for her life of devotion and prayer. According to Hutton, the memory of Agnes Scott was distorted over time, 
transforming her into the fearsome figure of Black Amis. This distortion could have been fueled by a desire to frighten local children or by the anti-Anchorite sentiment that emerged during the Protestant Reformation. Interestingly, during the Victorian era, Agnes Scott's story became entwined with the goddess Anu due to their similar names, leading to further intrigue and interest from Wiccan groups. The connection between Black Amis and Agnes Scott was made even before Hutton's research, an issue of the Leicestershire Chronicle dated February the 26th, 1842, and reprinted in the first volume of County Folklore, explores the gravesite and cave associated with Agnes Scott, shedding light on the possible origins of the legend. Many of the modern conceptions of Black Amis were popularised through the evocative words of a poem penned by John Hayrick, which can be found in its entirety in County Folklore. This haunting verse further solidifies the eerie presence of Black Amis, etching her name into the collective consciousness of those who dare to delve into the depths of English folklore. Tis said the soul of mortal man recoiled to view Black Amis's eye so fierce and wild. Vast talons, foul with human flesh, there grew in place of hands and features livid blue glared in her visage whilst her obscene waist warm skins of human victims close embraced not without terror they the cave survey where hung the monstrous trophies of her sway tis said that in the rock large rooms were found scooped with her claws beneath the flinty ground black anise in addition to a human form was also believed to take on the monstrous shape of a cat. This aspect of the legend gave rise to a local ritual that took place in early spring, symbolising the end of winter. During this ritual, a dead cat would be dragged before a pack of hounds in front of Black Amos's bower. This event, known as a drag hunt, was traditionally held on Easter Monday, also referred to as Black Monday. The hunt would commence at Annis's bower and culminate at the mayor of Leicester's house. The bait used for the hunt was a deceased cat soaked in aniseed. However, this custom faded away by the end of the 18th century. According to another variation of the legend, Black Amis, known as Cat Anna, was said to reside in the cellars beneath Leicester Castle. It was believed that an underground passage connected the cellars to the Dane Hills, which Black Amis would traverse. In 1837, a play titled Black Anna's Bower, or The Maniac of the Dane Hills, was performed at the Leicester Theatre. The plot revolved around the murder of a landlady at the Blue Boar Inn, with Black Anna playing a role similar to the witches in Shakespeare's Macbeth. These additional details add further layers to the enigmatic and chilling story of Black Amis, captivating the imaginations of those who encounter her tale in various forms of folklore, rituals and performances. 
What do you think? What is an anchoress? Well, an anchoress, I had to look it up myself actually as well, but it's somebody who dedicates their life to prayer and reflection. A bit like a kind of a monk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hunt. We saw a hunt, didn't we, when we were away? Yeah. Can you remember? I, I yeah. bought them. All the people and the horses and I know. Yeah, I don't like it. And no. I was eyeball eyeballing them. Yeah, Roger wasn't happy about it. No, all the <laughs> posh folk, what they do for fun. Yeah, isn't it? You can imagine that they'd be hunting us, us peasants. Yeah, just be like, posh people and I know. They all just think, like, oh yeah, I'm better, isn't it? I don't think they all do. It's yeah, a bit they of a, do. <laughs> a bit of a generalisation. They always think they're just like, better than everybody in that what else they do though don't well, they no that's kind of that's snob somebody can be posh without being a snob mm. snobs are people who kind of look down on other people yeah and and there were quite a few snobs there yeah nah where we live there are better snobs than that can't they yeah there are it's on like the facebook thing as well mm-hmm. people say oh yeah there's better snobs than that around there <laughs> So like, <laughs> that's yeah. because where we live, it's not Bristolians. Yeah, because people have come to live here because of because it's a lovely area, um, but they come from all over. Yeah, yeah. and we're it's, like we're like black sheep in our little house. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a posh area, and it's just not like it is. And the schools are really good, so people mm. do move here to for the area and the schools. And that's why we deserve to be here. <laughs> yeah, well, there's not posh people that there's not there's there's not posh mixture. people that live here, in it. Yeah, it's a mixture of people. Yeah, and some are yes, <laughs> but some are lovely. Yeah. But you get that in all communities, to be quite frank. <laughs> um, so with the play, the play in the 1800s, they liked horror movies even back then, even though it wasn't a movie. If you're watching a scary play, that's going to have the d- same effect as today, watching a horror movie. What's that, like people on a stage dancing and that? Yeah, yeah. So they put it on a play of Black Anis. I'd be there. I'd be like getting, um, I'd be getting the, you know, the seats at the front. I'd be watching every <laughs> show in, you know, something to do. <laughs> Back in the day, bit of excitement. Probably wouldn't have been able to afford it. I'd been like working in there. Yeah. <laughs> As a scullery maid. <laughs> Cleaner uppers. Oh dear. Yeah, exactly. Or I'd be, oh no, I quite fancy myself as an actress. Maybe I could have been Blue Alice. Yeah. <laughs> right, are you ready for the section about the Humberstone? Yes, I am. Despite its association with the past of Leicester, the Humberstone is a lesser known local landmark with a long history. However, it's gained a reputation due to a dark curse attached to it. According to legends, those who've been connected to this ancient monolith have suffered severe consequences, including losing their livelihoods and even their lives. The 20-ton rock, believed to have been left behind by a glacier, can still be found today on the Sand Hills Avenue, off the Maston Lane. It's advisable to exercise caution and avoid any association with this mysterious stone based on the folklore surrounding it. At first glance, the Humberstone may appear to be nothing more than a large rock, 
but it holds within it centuries worth of stories, many of which are filled with unfortunate events and misfortune. Historian Matt Sibson has expressed that the Humberstone has been associated with myths and legends for centuries. He suggests that these tales may hold some truth, hinting at the possibility that this forgotten stone was once of great importance to our ancient ancestors. As the saying goes, there's no smoke without fire. From a geological perspective, it's likely that the Humberstone is an erratic, which refers to a large block of rock that was transported by glaciers and deposited in its current location when the ice retreated. This event would have taken place approximately 440,000 years ago, during the Anglian Ice Age, when Leicester was covered by thick ice. The Humberstone itself is composed of cyanite granite, and the closest known source of this type of rock is Mount Sorrel, located about five and a half miles away from the stone's current location. Over time, myth and legend have added numerous details to the factual background of the Humberstone. According to Matt, the stone has been referred to by different names throughout the years, including Hellstone, Holystone, Hoston and Holston. These variations in names reflect the rich folklore and storytelling that have been associated with the stone over the centuries. The Humberstone carries with it a curse has been passed down through the centuries as depicted in various tales. One such tale recounts that between 1756 and 1766, the upper parts of the stone were intentionally broken off to allow a plough to pass over it. The landowner who carried out this act subsequently faced misfortune and hardship. He went from owning around 120 acres to experiencing utter poverty and eventually passed away in 1810 in the parish workhouse. Another account, shared by John Harrison in his booklet The Mystery of the Humberstone, recounts an incident in 1925. A farmer decided to build a haystack on the stone, but to his astonishment the stack mysteriously burst into flame. The fire brigade recalled and they managed to extinguish the fire. However, inexplicably, the haystack reignited as soon as they departed. For three days straight, the hay stubbornly remained ablaze, much to the astonishment of the villagers. They firmly believed that the cause behind this peculiar phenomenon was none other than the curse of the Humberstone. According to local folklore, the stone had been defiled, leading the villagers to attribute the extended burning of the hay to this mystical curse. In a more recent occurrence back in 1980, the Leicester Mercury newspaper featured a headline that read, Boy Drew Creature That Stood Beside His Bed. This incident took place in close proximity to the mysterious Humberstone, where a 10-year-old boy experienced frequent visits from a devilish entity. The creature was described as having a goat's head adorned with long, curving horns, 
a man's body and cloven hoofs. After the boy drew a picture of the creature at school, his teacher inquired about its nature. The boy responded by saying, I don't know, miss. It's the thing I sometimes see at the end of my bed. Following the departure of the family from Leicester, the same house was subsequently occupied by the boy's grandparents. Approximately a month later, the Leicester Mercury published another headline that read, Humberstone Ghost Tried to Choke Me. According to the boy's grandmother, she experienced a disturbing incident where she was abruptly awakened, feeling as if her life was being choked out of her body. It's noteworthy that the house in question was in close proximity to the Humberstone. According to the 19th century writer John Dudley, he speculated that the origins of these peculiar tales can be traced back to the Humberstone's ancient function as a sacrificial altar. As mentioned earlier, the stone was previously referred to as Hellstone. Dudley suggested that Hella, which is a Saxon word for death, is an important element in understanding the stone's significance. He further posited that there is strong evidence to suggest that Hoston, or the Humberstone, was once considered sacred and used for druidical or even more ancient bardic worship. According to John Dudley's beliefs, he proposed that the village of Humberstone derived its name from the Humberstone itself. Dudley suggested that locations used for ancient bardic worship were referred to as Hombirds or Humbirds. Therefore, he believed that Humberstone was essentially the tun or town associated with the Humbird, representing a place of bardic worship. In this way, Dudley saw a connection between the name of the village and the stone's historical significance. The village of Humberstone is located approximately half a mile away from the Humberstone. It appears that ancient habitations were not permitted to come too close to these sacred sites, where sacrifices were frequently performed. Another interpretation regarding the Humberstone is that it was intentionally placed and served as a marker stone. Specifically, it functioned as a reference point for observing the sunrise when viewed from the nearby St John's Stone. This alignment was believed to be significant on a particular day of the pagan calendar known as Beltane or May Day. This suggests a less violent explanation for the purpose and positioning of the Humberstone. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's a very, like, typical thing for, like, the kids to say in it. Whenever, like, there's kids involved in something scary, mm-hmm. they're always like, oh, yeah, he come visit me when I'm lonely or something. <laughs> it's just weird, like. It's oh, just always overused, though, isn't it? Because <laughs> there's bare stuff and they're like, oh, yeah, who's that drawing of? He's like, oh, yeah, my imaginary friend or something. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> I wonder if it frightened the teacher. It must have. <laughs> oh, if I was that teacher, I'd just be thinking, like, okay. <laughs> Shall we pin it on the wall? <laughs> so, yeah, do you want to take that out and put it on a fridge for mummy? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I do love a good sacred stone. Yeah. No, we've got ours, haven't we, that, that aren't far. Stanton Drew. Got it. Yes, I remembered. Stanton Drew. You like those stones, don't you? Which one? You know, the standing stones. I've taken you and Molly a few times. You get on top of them, sit on there. You know, the big stones, they're all in a big circle. You not really remember? No. I don't think so. Oh, I'll have to get a picture out. <laughs> I'll put one on um, Instagram. Mm. <laughs> You're only little. <laughs> but they're really good. They're really spiritual. And I'd like to hug them. I'm not sure I'd be hugging the Humberstone, though, to be quite frank, because I don't want a devil goat man at my bed. Yeah, start hugging you back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I found a friend. <laughs> don't be doing none of that kid, creepy kid stuff. No. Yeah, my... My imaginary friend's a stone. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I love them. And trees. I'm a tree hugger as well. Stones and yeah, trees. Yeah, we know that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes you can look at a tree and just go, that needs a hug. <laughs> you can. Sometimes I look at a tree and think, should I hit it with this stick or not? Yeah, you're a bit of a basher. <laughs> I told you about that story when I hit some fungi and that leaf came and sliced my face. Yeah, karma, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Mother Nature was getting me. <laughs> like, you don't treat my kids like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I always ask if I take a branch. I seriously do. I Can ask. I take a branch from your tree, Mother Nature? Yeah, or a berry or anything like that. <laughs> ask permission, because I don't want to get another whack. What about when you're walking through the overgrown parks, cutting it off with a machete? I don't tend to do that, dear. Nah. <laughs> well, you're going to have to. When you're surviving stranded on islands. Oh, we are we going back to survival stuff, are we? No, I just said that. Yeah. We're getting ready for the zombie apocalypse. Because <laughs> you're kind of there with your plan, aren't you? Yeah, always. <laughs> well, that's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed and we'll catch up with you again soon. We will. And sorry if this episode is a bit shorter than normal. I'm not sure how long it'll end up being until I've finished editing. But we have got another story from Leicester about one of the grand houses and we'll release that next week on Thursday. So we will catch you then. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 